Hey, my name is Russell, and I think I have the greatest job in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. Today on the show is a shift with Cole and Graham. It was great to catch up with them after the Christmas break, so we'll get straight into it. Don't forget, at the end of the show is our cash-up, where we reconcile and correct some of the things we say in this episode. All right, let's get into it. This is a shift with Cole and Graham. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? How's it, dudes? Hello. Ha- Happy New Year. Yeah. Same to you. Compliments of the season. Yeah. And all that. Um, it, it, it's good to be back here. It is. This, this, yeah. is, this is a happy place. It is, right? For me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm living my dream. I'm doing lots of wonderful, lovely things in my life. But this is a personal mm. happy place. Yeah, a personal little joy. Yeah. Where I get to hang out with my chums. Mm. And we just get to talk about what we're watching, yeah. what we're enjoying. It's the best job in the world. It's right. lovely. It's lovely. Um, one thing I thought we could do, I don't want to dictate this conversation too much, mm-hmm. but I thought maybe, because we've obviously got lots to catch up on, <laughs> yeah. lots to talk about, I thought maybe we could do, um, do them in sort of media categories, okay. largely speaking. So like film, then we can do TV. Cool. Cool. I need to talk about books. Wow. And then, and then perhaps a podcast, other podcasts. Cool. Okay. Does that sound cool? That yeah. sounds fine. Okay. Film. Film. You, Okies, went and watched Avatar without me because I was away. <laughs> yes. yes. For your birthday. Happy yes. birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Was Thank it magical? Yeah, man. I, I, I actually, last night, the, or it was yesterday, the... 25th anniversary re-release of Titanic is happening. Yes. And they released the trailer on Insta. Okay. And I watched this and thought to myself, if you had told me 10 years ago that I'd be as excited as I am to watch Titanic (laughs) re-release in in cinemas, I would have laughed. (laughs) And now since Avatar 2, I'm fully a James Cameron stan. I'm just, I'm here for him. Have you heard that interview (laughs) with Harry Styles for Don't Worry Darling at Venice Film Festival? He's like, it feels like a, it feels like a film. What does he say? He says, you know, it's, it's like a, um, um, it's like stutters quite a bit. And then he says, it's, it's like a movie movie. (laughs) (laughs) And and then everyone zooms in on Chris Pine's face. He's like, what the fuck is this musician talking about? And I think that's what Avatar 2 was for me. It, It was that feeling of the, for lack of a better term, the magic of cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's you're seeing something that can only happen on screen. On yes. the big screen, yeah. especially. Yeah. Because I saw that trailer on my 4K TV and it was like, okay, cool, yeah, it looks cool. More Navi, Blue Planet, yes. like this is great. Yeah. And then saw it in IMAX and I thought, this is everything I want it to be. It's yeah. incredible visuals, entertainment value. It's just the fact that we're living in an age where someone can spend like $750 million or something. Something like that, probably. On a film. Yeah. And create this thing where the whole Bonkers. time I was like whispering in Graham's ear, I was like, is that real? <laughs> is that real? Because, that, yeah, that's a conversation we had afterwards is you can't see the seams. Mm-mm. I don't know what is and isn't real in that film. I have no idea. Yeah. There was yeah. one shot where I went, oh, that looked a little bit weird. Yes. The rest of the time I was like, it is flawless. Yeah. It is flawless. Incredibly flawless. And like... Just such good, deft filmmaking and yeah. directing from James Cameron. Well, also, I mean, one could criticize that the plot line was like yeah. two, you know? two or three lines. Exactly. But, but, but I was okay with that because then I then came home and then rushed to a cinema and watched it. Hmm. I should have watched it in IMAX. We uh, spoke about this. Yeah. Um, but they were all quite far away from me and it was Christmas Eve and I did not want to be in like a big shopping mall yeah. on yeah. Christmas Eve. So I went over to Hyde Park, which was just next door to me, and I watched it in good quality 3D, which was still cool. Yeah. yeah. I think IMAX would have perhaps been better. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was lovely. And I love how there is that one James Cameron moment, if we can talk about James Cameron moments. Yeah. <laughs> everybody in three hours of Titanic, everybody remembers the dude 
bouncing off the propeller. Yes. Yeah. And I love how in Avatar 2, there is one of those James Cameron moments uh, with the arm. Yes. Oh, right. It's just like, it's like totally fucking up the whaler. Yes. It's just yeah. like, we have to murder this guy badly. Yeah. yeah. You know? And you get to see his arm ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. No, it's no, awesome. It, it was lovely. Um, and yeah, um, that subplot of the whale hunting mm. was like not expected at all. Yeah. yeah. And brought me to my knees. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. I mean, I know this is painfully obvious and at the front of the whole conversation around Avatar, but it is cool to, to see, which is just realize all the evils of humanity. Mm. Cause yeah. that's kind of what it shows you. Yeah. You know, you, you get to empathize with the indigenous people so that makes you think of all the indigenous peoples around the world and how these kind of outside people came in and, and, and screwed up their harmony. But then this one also kind of took you to hunting where you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Whales have feelings and families. <laughs> and, and families they do. And, children, right? yeah. and they have a connection to the earth. And here these guys are milking them just for some brain fluid. Yeah. Okay. Um, I watched... Um, the Nicolas Cage movie on the plane. Oh, nice. Uh, the unbearable weight, weight of, of massive, massive talent. talent. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah. No, I haven't. You've seen it? I've seen it. Oh, it's good. <laughs> it is so good. L in the one um, conversation last year, L and Dan, L brings it up. Um, but it's one of those you don't quite know its charm until you actually experience it and, and feel it mm. for yourself. Right. It is so funny. It is so <laughs> great. It's so heartwarming and daring. And, and it's just, it's so great because it, it is a comeback for him in so many ways. Yeah. And and the movie is about Nicolas Cage. Exactly. It's fully leaning into a, his legacy. Wanting right. a comeback. Not like we went anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's so lovely. Um, and so that, that snuck in a, 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 like a top film for me of last year. Right, awesome. right at the end, it just snuck in, which was great. Yeah. Um, and now he's been cast as Dracula. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just... just <laughs> It feels like a very obvious, oh, we know who Nicolas Cage is. Yeah. Now we're going to cast him as Dracula. This is insane. Yes. But who's Renfeld? It's... Because um, that's the name of the from, movie. Yeah, it's the guy... From, oh, he's the servant of Dracula. Yeah. He's the Renfield. servant. Renfeld. Do you remember I'm Dracula, Dracula Dead and Loving It with Leslie oh, Nielsen? yes. And in that film, he had Lil Renfield, who yes. was that famous Nazi actor whose name I can't remember. I don't actually remember. Remember the whole time the movie, Renfield... It's okay. awesome, yeah. All it's right, hilarious. so this is a retelling of Dracula between Dracula and his assistant. Yeah. Mm. Okay. We should watch the Coppola Dracula sometime. We really should. It's bonkers. I can't believe I missed that. That's that one of those movies I've missed. That's Keanu Reeves with a British accent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And with Gary Oldman as Dracula. The with movie the, is insane. With what? the like weird booby yeah, uh, hairpiece. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Why is it insane? Such a bizarre movie. Really? It's so strange. Because from what I hear, it's like quite a more faithful adaptation of the book. It's weird and it's really horny. And the, also the other thing about that movie is like all the effects are practical. Okay. It's like you Amazing. shoot for that adjective first. Yeah. Yeah. Once you, yeah when you watch when you it, you'll it, know. You're, yes. you're, okay. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk it's about really current ho- movies. It's really horny. Yeah. Um, what else have we been enjoying? Um, I've got a series notes. And uh, I finally wa- oh, can we one more movie? Yeah, for now. Um, I finally watched Triangle of Sadness. Oh, oh yeah, nice. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. What did you think? Um, it's it's delightfully s- silly. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't quite know how else to describe it. It's just such a weird. It's it's that weird European humor. Mm. It's that weird kind of Scandinavian, dry, bizarre, almost unfunny, but still kind of funny humor. Mm. Mm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Look, it's a. It's meant to be like another scathing critique of millionaires and the upper class yeah. and everything. Yeah, um, sure. I just love. Yeah, I love the. I love the twist yeah. to some degree of how that balance has shifted. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Away. It was once really cool. Once they're on the island, um, I thought the ending was a bit like muted. Yeah, know. it's 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 it feels like a. Uh, having an open ending for the sake of having one instead of like really dramatically, I guess, bow tying your narrative and yeah. just ended in like, this way where you're like, oh, okay, cool. So I guess this happens. Fine. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. You know, it doesn't okay. really give you a sense of closure, even within its theme in terms of what it's trying to say. It doesn't really like deliver on that in a potent way. Mm. But, but it's lovely. 
mm. and it's it's lovely to see a a art it's it is art house it's okay obviously mm. so when one speaks of like an art house film that's got so many misconceptions it's like talking about a hipster it's like what what is that it's such a mm. fluid crazy weird ambiguous term but generally one thinks of it as being um quite dramatic right mm. Where yeah. obviously this is ridiculous. It's yeah. it's very it's absurd fun. comedy. It's okay. fun. It's it's silly. It's very playful, but at the same time, it's just so bizarre. And so it's interesting that someone like Leslie, my girlfriend, who's more mainstream, after about ten minutes was like, nah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. it's one of those movies. It's one okay. of those, and you sort of don't 100%. think it would be because it's funny and it's got Woody Harrelson in it, and mm. sure, it's going to be strange. But then you only when you see it next to someone who is quite mainstream, who goes like, "What? What the hell are we watching? Yeah. <laughs> like it's such okay. a weird scene that goes on for way too long, yeah, or exactly. is way too short, or is completely undeveloped, or the camera's looking somewhere else." Yeah, that's such nice. a great way to explain it. It's like the camera's kind of looking there when most films would look right to mm. tell the story. This one's looking left because right. you know um, it's very interesting. And so, so for someone looking for something different a refreshing spin on a normal narrative movie it's it's it is accessible but you got to go in knowing Ooh, interesting um knowing that it's it's strange yeah, it's right. upside down i think the other thing i wanted to say about it is that it in its second act on the boat it gets really distracted and it becomes uh, very much about the storyteller really hating millionaires and billionaires. Uh, and yeah. it focuses very much on that and takes it very much away from the characters that they established in the first act. And by the way, the actress who played Yaya, I know. Um, the South African actress who passed away at 32, yeah. Charlie oh, yes. Dean. Yeah. And I saw a shortlist for the Oscars and um, the two act two leads were shortlisted for that. Yeah. Um, mm. I, don't think th- I don't think she'll get the nomination eventually, but mm. she was it's really sad. Yeah, she wasn't spud. Yeah. yeah, but you immediately, it's so funny, you immediately hear a South African accent. <laughs> yeah. And immediately you're like, oh my God, this sounds like every Cape Tonian girl I've ever <laughs> dealt with. Are you guys too straight that you don't know who Troy Sivan is? No, I watched Spud. Okay, cool. So you know it was Troy Sivan. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I've been listening to Troy Sivan's music because he's beautiful and his music's good. It's interesting <laughs> that he was. Uh, so he then was I realized, the, oh my God, he was Spud. So he was the little boy who yeah, played yeah, yeah. Spud, but then he went on to be this like kind of millennial music like queer icon uh, queer icon okay that I didn't know yeah because yeah. I moved to Australia good became famous yeah good for him yeah. yeah yeah he kind of used yeah used Spud as a yeah uh, as a launching as pad, a so to speak. trampoline um, you were mentioning art house films that are really accessible because they dramatize really relatable events and that kind of thing instead of Triangle of Sadness we need to put Banshees and Vanisherin up there uh, okay well that's really what I wanted to, to talk that. about because in this kind of, let's call it the Oscar race, yeah. Yeah. we've got a bunch of obvious films that have presented themselves over the year. We've spoken about them, things like The Woman King and and certain films like that. And then out of nowhere, that film just popped up. Mm. Like it sort of just, yeah. it sort of just, if there was a little race, all of a sudden this other thing just entered the arena. Um, Especially for us because we didn't have it released here. Locally, and, I was and, and never this in the, theaters here. Never, oh. never, and and so and so <laughs> this, this is what is, we pirate things, guys. Yeah, distributors, exactly. get your shit together. Yeah. yeah, and this is always an interesting thing: is that often these films that can contend for an Oscar can be these smaller films that you've perhaps never heard of. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's something kind of exciting about that. It's People amazing. love to criticize that yeah. and go, you know, they're nothing films. What yes. about the ones that make billions of dollars? Yeah. Like, surely they deserve something. But I think it's amazing that some small production could get the highest honor okay so tell what is the back of the box on that because i know nothing the, and it's called the banshees the banshees of anishirin of anishirin okay i won't is, tell you what is a banshee so a um, mythological creature i think from jason and the argonauts was it jason yeah and the i think it's greek greek mythology that um was that would chill on the rocks close to the shoreline and um oh no those are I'm getting, I'm getting myself yeah, confused. Yeah, yeah. Basically, think flying, screaming things. Yeah, yeah that's what they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are the ones that chill by the rocks? Um, but they serenade sailors to drift their boats yes. close to the rocks and then drown Didn't them. Didn't the mermaids do that? Yeah, it was something like that. But Merma- it's got a different mythical name. Mythical mermaids yeah. did that. Sorry about that. Okay. But um, right, Chiefs of Anishirin, the beautiful thing about it is 
there's an Instagram reel that I was showing my dad because it's his kind of movie, 100%. Like, also unbearable weight of massive talents. Yeah. It's like a movie for dads, I mm. think. Uh, <laughs> I love it's like My dad loved The Matador with uh, Pierce Brosnan. I don't know if you ever watched that. Okay, I, I remember it. So it's a stupid comedy about two men being idiots. Right. And it's like very much that kind of movie. And this little clip in itself is one of the most engaging little teasers for a movie that doesn't give anything away just sets up a premise of two best friends on an island outside of Ireland um, <laughs> who suddenly have a tiff. So Colin Farrell's this very innocent, very much like his character in Bruges, same director, same actors. Yeah. And he goes to pick up his mates to go to the pub every afternoon at two and he knocks on the door, no one answers. He goes to the window and there inside is Brendan Gleeson just ignoring him, sitting on a chair and he's knocking and you can see he's perplexed and he goes to the bar and he waits for him, orders a pint. But he says to him at the window, like, hey, hey, I'm going to go to the bar. See you at two. Okay, cool. Mm. Like usual, bye. Nice Irish accent. Yeah. Appreciate and then it. goes to the bar and then he's like, he's not talking to me. And he's like, why? What are you guys having a fight? He's like, no, we're not having a fight. We're talking yesterday. <laughs> What's yeah. the problem? And then Brendan Gleeson comes in, sits down, orders his pints, sees that he's sitting next to Colin Farrell, goes and sits outside. Yeah. Then Colin Farrell sits down a couple of days later, sits in front of him and says, um, what's going on? Why aren't you talking to me? If I did something wrong, I'm sorry. If I said something while I was drunk, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, from the bottom of my heart, I said something bad, nothing bad. He's like, you didn't say anything bad. He's like, oh, that's what I thought. And he says, I just don't like you anymore. <laughs> and that's the premise of the movie. That's meeting. the premise of the film. <laughs> okay. It's, Thank you for that. This is our first uh, recreation on the video yeah. store. Thank you for that. It's um, a beautiful, it's the best film about a breakup you'll ever see. Right. And just this kind of, yeah, the, this, the, Man love. What's the term? Um, bromance. Yeah, that like falls the, apart. Yeah. It's completely obliterated. And then the really interesting thing is that constantly throughout the film, you can hear the sounds of war happening, of civil war happening on the Irish mainland. Uh, so okay. the film is constantly drawing this parallel between the civil war mm. and this friendship between two Irishmen. Right. Okay. And that was what in the sort of 90s? 80s? Yeah, it, was like, 80s. it seems like it's early 90s. I don't know that history well enough. The I, but it's know, not Northern the Troubles. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the Troubles. It's earlier than that. It's wild. Eh? Just to think that like there was such a bloody war over like religion. Mm. I mean, I mm. guess people still fight over religion, but it's yeah. wild. Like versions of Christianity. <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay, lovely. So um, that won Best Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes last night. And Colin Farrell uh, okay. won Best actor for oh the golden globes were last night they were last night oh wild how did and i miss that i, I also yeah. like before i came here i just saw twitter was blowing up about some of the controversial wins mm. Mm. and guess what counts as a controversial win these days yeah spielberg won best director and best film oh okay for the fablemans which we still which need was to see. like have you i haven't seen that have you seen no, that? no 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 okay i was hoping that in this episode we could come up with our next um Outing. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Okay. Yeah, it's the I think it should be the Fableman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going and like it. Babylon as well, we should also yes. watch. Yeah. 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 Fableman's Babylon. And um, the menu is also like seeming like it's getting a lot of traction. Yeah. Yes. No, that's on my list. Yeah. To watch. I think who's seen that? No, I haven't seen it. You haven't no, seen the menu? I haven't seen it. Okay. There's quite a few films we can watch. Yeah. But, uh, but in terms of big movies, I feel like, or like big screen outings. Mm. Babylon has to be on the big screen. Yeah. It and, sounds like it. And Fableman's, I feel like it should be as well. Yeah. yeah. Just for the romanticism of, of... I saw of a really it. interesting tweet because I think we were all kind of hoping that the Daniels would take Best Director for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm. Right. So Banshees of an Isherin, but beat that to win Best Musical or Comedy Film. Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And um, then Michelle Yeoh and Kei Kwong. The, yeah. the husband yes. won Best Actress, Best Supporting. Oh, okay, that's cool. And then Kate Blanchett won Best Actress okay. in a uh, lead. Tar, for a tar, drama. Yeah. tar looks difficult. It looks hectic. Yeah. But it then, looks, also, difficult. with Tar, <laughs> Scorsese said, the future of cinema was fine after I saw Tar. Right. Uh, mm, like, okay, okay. Like, mm. now I have to watch it, man. Mm. You know? could take everything Scorsese says, like, okay, all right, thank you. That's totally. Okay. He has to be right. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's no, it looks, it looks like a toughie. It looks it like does. a... Yeah. It looks like being presented with, like, War and Peace as a book. Like, <laughs> go. And you're like, oh, God, really? No, it's all story. I don't care. 
Well, like the beginning of our Chaucer lesson in um, English Lit oh, at Varsity, yeah. where he started reading and everyone's going, fuck. Because oh, it's all in Old English. Yeah. yeah. And the hand started rising. And the first question was like, is this English? <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, this is early English. The second hand up goes up. He goes, is the whole book like this? <laughs> Do we have to read it? It's like, oh, my God. No, have, you, have you ever read no, Chaucer never. in its original? Oh, it's it's, you can see the English like climbing out, mm. but I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole nother language. It's Wild. a whole nother language. Wild. Okay. So ban- the Banshees, okay. yes. we must watch it. I'm, I'm assuming you caught it out in the seas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just stumbled upon my path. Just, just came around, <laughs> yeah. came around the corner because that's the problem is there's nowhere to catch it. There's okay. a market and it's not being catered for, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But perhaps it might crop up just ahead of the Oscars. Um, Hopefully. Might, I think that's what will happen, out. especially now with the Golden Globes. I think they'll start putting the little, you know, Oscar um, Golden Globes wreath on their posters to try yes. get audiences to and come then, out. And then a distributor could, yeah, could then take a risk on it mm. um, because it all costs money. It's yeah. all, you know, you know mm. they would want to make money. Yeah. So you know that they would want to distribute it if, if they thought so. Um, okay. Uh, what else? If we're done talking about movies, you want to talk about series. Yeah. Well, I want to talk um, about Ambulance, but I think we need some space between talking about that and talking about a Michael Bay movie. So <laughs> okay. let's, you can go into series first. I've been so curious. Um, I'd love to talk about that. But yeah, I'll, I'll preface it. It's actually pretty good, but we can come back to it. Okay. okay. Right. Um, so my series discussion is not modern or at all. Okay. As, and you can watch it on Showmax. I started rewatching True Detective season one. Okay. Because oh, wow. I saw a clip of it on Insta. Um, and it just made me realize, oh, yes, I, this is one of my favorite series. I want to watch it again. It's been like 10 years. Um, and I realized that the tragedy of the award seasons mm. dynamic and how it's, it's laid out is that you get very deserving pictures that are all so deserving of winning Best Picture. Right? Yeah. It's kind of just like if either of these won, we would be fine. Yeah. Yes. The fact and is, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's less about who wins. Totally. It's more about the fact that you, you, you get to see what fruits kind of rise to the top of the yeah. broth. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why you have a Amazing. fruity broth. Fruits in the you know, broth. Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I, I mixed all my analogies. Fruits into, in the jam, maybe. Into, yeah. Fruit in the jam. Whatever rises to the top, you just get to see those, those ones appear. Yes. And, you, and you just get that kind of curation. Yeah. It's less about who wins, and in my opinion. When I've been bored, I've been going through my letterbox lists for each year and choosing what my best actors are. And then so many times it will just be like, I don't think there's a better performance over another here. They're yeah. both no, great. No, it is silly. I don't think and we should spend you know, I too think much energy. Take that, exactly. Take that, yeah. And in the 2014 Emmys was Breaking Bad's final season. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so they took everything. Mm. Right, Brian Cranston for Best Actor, Aaron Paul for Best Sporting, whatever. And in the same year was True Detective Season 1. Right. And I'm sitting there watching Matthew McConaughey act out his life in this yeah. movie. And mm. it is, I'm pretty sure it's the best murder mystery I've ever seen dramatized. Like right. my favorite. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was a groundbreaking ep- um, show. Yeah. Because it, it was out. actually the start of the, of the movie A-listers being in television mm, to some degree. That. I mean, it was yeah. happening and it was happening in many shapes and forms, but yes. this was one of those prime examples of mm. that, of that shift in television mm-hmm. because you could, Matthew McConaughey wasn't going to sign into this TV show for the next eight years of his life. We've spoken about this. Um, you can get him just for one season. It's probably the same amount of time that you would get him for a movie yeah. and that's arguably why these actors don't necessarily do television for one was there was this old pre- preconceived idea that television was lower than yeah. a movie star um, and that you'd be typecast and everyone would see you as Joey from Friends you couldn't do mm. other things but it was really just about the time that that it would cost to have one of them you could never afford them yeah. for too long but um McConaughey said that what was so lovely about that is that it was better for him than a movie doing True Detective because he could sink his teeth in further. Wow. Because you could just give more time. You can just give more acting. Wow. And you were doing more acting. Yeah. And, um, and you could really develop a character as opposed to 
what then becomes quite bite-sized in a movie if you only have to fit it into two hours. Yeah. So, the, yeah, there was a, a, a lovely shift in the start of how that kind of modern television came in where something like Big Little Lies could come in where you get mm. Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and all these people in TV. Mm. You know? it was, and True Detective was the start because mm. it was just a season. And then yeah. season two was going to be something else with yeah. other people. The anthology. The anthology type. model, which is the limited series. It's effectively the yeah, limited series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lovely. Uh, I was watching um, The Recruit on Netflix. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, which, which actually is pretty good. Mm. It's a real CIA espionage spy thing, but done quite modern take in that it's not this kind of ridiculous um, uh, Mission Impossible over the top. It's like... It's a young guy who just starts at the CIA. He's in, put in charge of going through um, the crazy mail that they get from people, uh, which yeah. is all these people saying, like, oh, I'll expose secrets, and so many of them are just loonies. But he, he just happens in his first week to stumble across this gray mail, which I thought is an interesting Interesting, term, what is that? Before it becomes blackmail. Okay. It's right. potentially blackmail. It's called gray mail. Um and then this whole thing explodes where it's, there's actually this credible source, which is this woman in, in prison who's this ex-Russian asset. But he is just such a novice that you experience the CIA and how this kind of operation works really in 2022 right. um, through these crazy eyes of like a young person going like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I can't believe that it. it's like real spy stuff. Like da 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 um, and the guy who acts it is really good. He, I, I forget his name. It's Noah Sensa something. Yeah. He's he, in a bunch of Netflix movies. So I was about to say, what makes it interesting is that this guy is the first of his kind in the yeah. sense that he's like, he's a Netflix star. Yeah. He's in that Black makes, Adam. He's the guy who grows really big in Black Adam. Oh, the Ant-Man the, guy. Yeah. Okay. But he, he made his name out of made-for-TV movies, which were Netflix movies, which for some reason sounds better than a made-for-TV movie. Yes. yes. You know, if you're a Netflix movie, it's got more credibility. These, like, sort of indie romances for young kids yeah. that did really well. There was yes. something called The Kissing Booth, mm -hmm. which just, like... Got a thousand sequels and which was just, hugely successful. It was just, yeah, it just sort of took that young... Gen Z kind of market by storm. And so he became this kind of like heartthrobby, like the new age heartthrob. So they were quite wow. silly movies, but they still had some kind of indie charm to them. Mm. Um, but now he's in this kind of quite serious grown-up role um, as the CIA agent, and the show's called The Recruit. And it has nothing to do with the Colin Farrell movie. Because there's a Colin Farrell movie called The Recruit, and I thought it was connected, but obviously it isn't. I haven't seen that movie, and I don't okay. think so. Okay. No, I doubt it. It's lovely. I, I hoped it was going to be a, a limited series, mm -hmm. and I don't want to give too much away, but it, it's like it's clearly opening up for a second sequel. Right. I mean, a second season. But um, it's worth your time. Because that's kind of my, where my head's at now. I'm like, is it going to be worth my time? I can't give like, yeah. a season upon season to like a drama show. Because yeah. right. it takes too much emotion and drama exactly yeah. like kaleidoscope which i think is an interesting thing to talk about which is the new um big netflix show out at the moment um oh, the one that stephen king tweeted about that i yeah so okay. do you know about kaleidoscope i've never even okay. heard of it cool so what's interesting about it is it's a eight or nine part heist story oh, okay. um but its charm hmm. is that you can watch it in any order Oh. Okay. It's not its overarching thing. It's not as kind of interactive as I thought it was going to be, where it's like, you got to pick your next episode or with your remote. Right. Or it literally just says, this is the green episode, the violet episode, the orange, whatever. And you could, in theory, watch it in multiple strange orders. Right. Um, sure. Which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. It's a lovely way to just go like, okay, well, what's going to make this different? Interesting for a heist story because... Yeah. You, there's there's the plan. Yes. There's the yeah. preparing for the plan, and there's execution of the plan, yeah. the success. So like, like that feels like a you linear. Expect there. Yeah. 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 So each episode um, is at a different point in the timeline, and so you know, twenty years before the highest, fifteen or one week or however many days or the day of. Yeah. 
and so that's the theory is that you can watch it in any in any uh, order. We we just picked random orders, um, but there are they like Netflix have published different versions. They can go. We suggest, or here's here's examples of how you can watch it. Okay. There's like the chronological order. Yeah, you know of. 20 years, then 15, then, you know. So you that's can, what Stephen King said. That's you what he be. suggested. Um, there's like the Orange is the New Black Order, which is obviously somehow mimicking the structure okay. of Orange is the New Black. Then there's the Usual Suspects Order, which is interesting. Ooh, if you, uh, but that's super niche. I don't know yeah. how many people have actually watched the Usual Suspects, Yeah, um, which is a lovely movie that was made in the 90s. 96, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I just love how like it just presents this idea of of structure, and we can play with structure. Very cool. So yeah, we actually picked two episodes in a row that that made some sense because it sort of it it, it spoke about one kind of storyline and then the next one expanded it. So we were like, oh, this is quite this mm. makes sense. But it's cool. It's just fun. Nice. And it's a smart show. Nice. Another one <laughs> to talk about modern. Oh my God, where are we at? What a time to be alive show. Yeah. You just probably need to watch one episode. You don't need to watch the whole season. <laughs> Have you ever seen Dance Monsters? Do you know what, what Dance Monsters is? No. Never heard of it. Okay. I'd like us at the video store to think about our store put into different um, categories. You know, like art house or sci-fi or western or whatever. Like okay. that these things we talk yeah, about yeah, could yeah. be on different shelves. Um, with Ellen Dan last year, we came up with a term like a fall asleep show. Uh, okay. okay. So it's a show. I don't want to, I don't want to discredit it. I don't want to say like it's a rubbish junk show, Yes. but it's a fall asleep show in that it's, it's, it's not going to take a lot of brain cells. It's <laughs> usually those kind of really well produced, like cooking shows or like drink masters, which is cocktails, okay. you know, like a reality TV yes. show. So this is a reality TV show, but why I think it's interesting is because it's the first of its kind where it's contestants who are purposefully, um, people don't know who they are, okay? And they're competing in a dance show where they are hooked up to motion capture suits and they embody a monster that is their identity. I, I, I can only believe that they've kind of worked on it together. So mm. it's a monster that kind of represents them. And then this monster goes out onto stage, and I'm doing inverted commas with my hands, um, to perform a dance in front of an audience and judges and gets judged. So it's a dance competition of these CGI motion-captured <laughs> monsters. So, like, as I said, you don't have to get into the whole TV show. Yeah. But watch at least 10 minutes of this thing or watch the first episode just so that you can go, oh my God, I can't believe we are here. I can't what? believe, like what a crazy time to be alive. So obviously you see them like rehearsing in like a dance studio as a monster, but it looks, it looks so real right. because that's easy enough. Yeah. That's created in a virtual space and we're at that point with motion capture so that a camera can move around a virtual space seamlessly as if it's a cameraman moving around yes mm. and obviously we're at that point now where like if you're a monster that's got hair you know if you move the hair's going to move and all of all of that can be kind of generated real time yeah it's simulated simulated and generated real time but then they go out they shoot it in such a way that these monsters go out onto a 3d stage in front of an audience and dance and so you're like, Wild. how the fuck do they do that? And then you realize, and then you, you, you think about it, and then you look at some things on the internet, and you're like, okay, so they stage that. Yeah. That, that gets put in afterwards, obviously. Yeah. They have to. Because then they do it so well that like the, the person would dance on a, in an actual stage. It looks like with reflections on the floor. Right. And then the host would come out and like stand next to them and talk to them. Okay. It's wild. <laughs> that is so cool. So the audience and everyone has to sort of look at a blank stage and mm -hmm. pretend. And then obviously that gets put in, simulated in afterwards. And then it was discovered that the audience and the judges see like a screen version okay. of, the, of that rendering. Yeah, that yeah. So that they can react to the right moments mm -hmm. and actually see the dance. Yes. 
um, and then they judge them. But that's just in terms so of bizarre. because yeah, fascinating. just to just to call back to Avatar, yeah. you have someone like Sigourney Weaver saying, like we did all of that. Yeah. Because you hear them talk about like how the actors in Avatar had to like learn how to hold their breath. Yeah. And it's like really, <laughs> like you didn't have to go in the water. Yeah. Like it's not you. <laughs> but it, but they say like it was us. Every facial expression, every yes. movement, yeah. every hand, everything. Sigourney so Weaver saying that was us. We mm. actually acted those moments because you think that they don't have to. Yeah, no, but exactly. They, but they are, and so then this is a continuation of that, where it's like this is this person actually dancing. A big part <laughs> of it, which is interesting, and and the point, one of the points of Dance Monsters, um, apart from just showing off where we're at mm. um, with technology, uh, the point of it is. Uh, they remain completely anonymous because for them, they feel like they um, are perhaps too shy or too yeah. conscious of their bodies. Um, a lot of them were like maybe dancers, but then had a kid and then kind of right. lost their shape yeah. or just never managed to get skinny enough to get casted. Right. Um, and so they've got lots of skill, lots of enthusiasm, um, and they can be a better version of themselves as a dancer okay. if they inhabit this um, alter ego. Yes. So it's an interesting kind of yeah. comment on that. So it's an interesting show. Just mm. watch an episode of it. It's just to be like, premise. I can't believe we're here. Yeah, I'm going to watch it with my mom. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Sounds like a cool show to watch. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's super Wild. silly and, and, and fun. And as I said, a fall asleep show. That's a very good time. Yeah. Mm. I love that time. Um, have you guys heard of Goncharov? What? No. <laughs> or have I? I don't know. I've been wanting to talk about this for like the last four episodes that we've recorded, <laughs> but I always forget because we talk about such great things. Yeah. And then... What's it called? Goncharov. 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 Goncharov or something. Okay. So this is the greatest film ever made by Martin Scorsese. Okay. Right. <laughs> I was scrolling through Twitter and then I saw this poster and on the poster... It said the cast list was Rob De Niro, Al Pacino, John Cazell, Gene Hackman, and Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And I was like, what the... F I, I know things. I, I know <laughs> yeah. Martin Scorsese's filmography. Yeah. Never heard of Gonjarov. Okay. What is this? Okay. Turns out this is an internet meme. Completely oh, nice. fictionalized film that was created <laughs> by people as far back as like August 22. Someone made a picture, posted a picture of a shoe and then... The inside of where the brand label would be of the shoe, it says Martin Scorsese presents Goncharov starring. Da -da -da -da. Okay. For reasons, the internet, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah. And then in November last year, someone created a poster for Goncharov. <laughs> right. And okay. now the internet has just rolled, like, run with this thing and yeah. created an entire synopsis, <laughs> an entire production story of production nightmares. Slowly. <laughs> production nightmares. Yeah. And I remember sending it to my friend Shannon being like, what is this? Yeah. I know Martin Scorsese. I haven't seen this movie. And she's like, it's not a real movie. Wow. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> just the internet complete creates this completely fictional. But it just shows you. I mean, it's like the movie Wag the Dog. <laughs> Have you watched Wag the Dog? No. no. Uh, Wag the Dog was a movie that was made in the 90s. Uh, it's got De Niro in it, funny enough. Dustin Hoffman, where they create a fake war um, to help a, a senator or a, someone get sort of reelected. Oh. They basically just manufacture. It's like spin doctoring. Okay. So they, so they create in like a Hollywood studio, and Dustin Hoffman's this director, and they create this footage, and they use it, and then it gets out of hand, and it all of a sudden becomes about this kind of hero, this war hero who's left behind lines. And hmm. but basically, it's like they just roll with it. This thing becomes out of hand, and they create something that sort of is completely false. It's a lovely movie. Awesome. Mm. Mm, it's a great movie. Sounds good. Um, just to speed things up a little, because we, we, we're talking about so much, but yeah. I don't want us to go on for, for too long. Do we, do we want to go to ambulance quickly? Because I don't want to leave out okay. Graham's notes. Well, you can finish your thought first and then we can... Well, I was going to go into books now. So, uh, okay. so let's, okay, cool. Let's go. Yeah, ambulance is actually pretty good. Wait, what is, it, is it on anything now? Um, I think basically only iTunes if you want to like rent it or buy it or whatever. Okay, but yeah, because okay. um, it was in cinemas. It was in cinemas for a short while. It didn't do very well. What's Which is unfortunate. The, what's the back of the box? Okay, so the back of the box is your main character who is, um, what's, how do you pronounce Gyllenhaal. it? Gyllenhaal. Well, yeah, there's Gyllenhaal and then there's um, 
Yaya Abdul-Boutin II, okay. who is Dr. Manhattan in... And Morpheus um, in Matrix Yes, and Morpheus in the new one. Yeah. Who, so he, he's a former, former um, military veteran. His wife needs surgery. He doesn't have any money. It's kind of like a small little damning thing about the way, you know, like veterans yeah. and that sort of thing are treated. There's a bit of that in there. Okay. And he's like, he goes to his brother, who's Jake Gyllenhaal. He was adopted by Jake Gyllenhaal's family. He's like, hey, is there anything you can do to help me? Mm. Um, and he's like, hey, I'm about to do a big crime. Come do a big crime with me. Because he was adopted into this family who are like career criminals, basically. And he joined the Marines to get out of it. Exactly. So now he goes back to that. And during the process of this bank robbery, um, it all goes to shit, obviously. And they wind up hijacking an ambulance who has a wounded police officer in it. Okay. So there's this whole, like, now it's it's basically like a two-hour-long car chase. Cool. Whoa. Um how engaging is that? Thing. It's, yeah. I mean, that's speed, actually. It's, it's a like, lot. It, it is yeah. kind of like little speed. Okay. And it's like Michael Bay is so much better on like a $40 million budget than he is on like a $200 million budget. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because it's like the humor in it is really dark and it doesn't really have like the crass and juvenile humor that you expect from Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like he's evolved quite a bit? That, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking this movie, well, hopefully it is because it didn't do well. Like it was a $40 million budget and it made about $50 million. So definitely lost money. Yes. Which I know that sounds like it doesn't make sense, but it does. Um, well, there's also other budgets. There's the, there's the marketing, marketing budget, budget, which is usually double. Yeah. yeah. They basically say you should double the production budget too yeah. for a movie to be profitable. Um, and also like the way he uses drones, it's like, like typically drones have just been used to replace helicopters. Yes. But he's like, no, we should use like drones, take advantage of drones. And it's like completely part of the aesthetic of the movie. Wild. And it looks in- like it I looks insane. Using, using drones as cameras. Yeah. 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 So yeah. They, they like swoop down buildings and like fly around cars and all this I remember like hearing like the appeal stuff, of the dude. film was that Michael Bay discovers drones. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think maybe the most interesting thing about the movie is the way it treats um, Isa Gonzalez. She's the female lead. Um, she's in Baby Driver. Mm, she's yeah. in Kong, yeah, she's cool. the King Kong Godzilla movie. Mm. Um, okay, to take a step back, Michael Bay has three types of characters in his movies. Okay. Right? He's got the badass military guy. Because okay, yeah. the one and only thing in the whole world that Michael Bay respects is the military. <laughs> he has disdain for everything else. The other thing is nerds. So like government bureaucrats okay. and like geeky teenagers that he then punishes because he hates them. Wow. And then the third type of character is babes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's just good looking woman like that Megan he puts Fox. in. Yeah. Exactly. Megan Fox. He puts them all in shorts that are two shorts and then points the camera at them, goes a wooga wooga. <laughs> so, and, and I mean, that is like, like Isa Gonzalez is like, like you, you're expecting that mm. because she's very attractive, let's be honest. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But she's... Never she's, objectified. She's treated she's with never more respect. sexualized. Yeah. Good, good. It's like she's n- nothing but competent at her job. She's the um, EMT on the ambulance. Okay. And it's great. It's like she's kind of like the hero of the story. Well, that's the evolution. Well, it's, it's, awesome, the, it's the evolution. Welcome, you want. Michael yeah. Bay. Yeah. yeah. And welcome, I know it's like, welcome to 2022. <laughs> it's a little yeah. step for Michael Bay. Yeah. It's but it's a step, step in the right direction. It and is I'm a step hoping in the right that direction. despite the movie, the fact that the movie didn't do well, he should go, this is the kind of movie I should be making. Exactly. I remember. Watching Transformers 1. When did that come out? 2009? 2007, I think. And it was like, like as you're growing up and you're maturing and your media literacy is hopefully developing a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then it was the first time there's a moment, I don't know if they introduced Megan Fox in this scene, yeah. but she's working on a motorbike or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's the, I think you're talking about the second movie. That's Transformers 2. Okay. In, in the first the one, she definitely one, like, sort of leans over the car hood. Yes. Yeah. And... You you just see the camera, like track the lines of her body. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember seeing they're looking at that like, oh, this is like grotesque. Yeah. In its indulgence, it's sure. it just felt like it felt so weird to me. Yeah. Like there's because you could tell in this in this character there was just nothing there in terms of its writing. Yeah. Like she was she had no depth. Yeah. Like whatsoever. So when you're engaging as an audience member, you're trying to search for that. Yeah. In the conflict. But then you just see how this person's being represented. And I remember seeing that, like, come also, on. Also, even in the first movie, it makes no sense that she isn't the main character. She should be the main character yes. in that movie. Yes. She's the one who has a backstory. She's the one who has a character arc. She's the one who's actually competent. Yes. Shia LaBeouf is just a flailing, sweaty idiot. Yes. He's the sidekick. 
But it's like they, it's like Michael Bay went, oh no, wait, this is a boys movie, yes. so a girl can't be the lead, which is exactly what they did with Bumblebee. Bumblebee is the same movie as the first Transformers, yes, but it's the way that movie should have been. Wild, <laughs> interesting, hectic. That's it's a cool. Exactly that's a cool the same little movie, but journey to like appreciate with the a director's like evolution. Totally, yeah. it's very it's cool. good though. Um, like if you don't like Michael Bay movies because they're loud and they're obnoxious, you're mm. not going to like this. Mm. But it, it's it's still like a step in the right direction. There's also a scene where they have to perform surgery on the cop in the ambulance during a car chase. Okay. And it's like, it's tense and it's like gross, but it's also really funny. It's oh, such a what? good scene. It's probably the best scene Michael Bay has ever done. Oh my it's God. It's really good. Lovely. That sounds so good. Cool. Well, you sold me. Yeah, you sold me. Hi. Um, uh, I just wanted to say one thing about books. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was for the last few weeks on the, Holiday where I wasn't consuming a lot of stuff. I was on a beachy island mm. and um, I read uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the book. Okay. Do you know about this? No. Tarantino wrote the book after the movie. Okay. So he made Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Then he went and wrote like the the way in which those kinds of movies tend to get sort of made as a book. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Afterwards. But um, it's it's so good, and you would love it. Whoa. You would absolutely love it because I think a lot of people didn't get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I didn't. Because everyone sort of thought, like I think everyone's got this idea of what Tarantino is going to deliver. And yes. He never delivers that. Yeah, he doesn't. He he makes the movie he wants to make, which is quite indulgent and but super fun and great. Yes, and so people wanted more plot in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Exactly. But it was more of a love letter and it was more of a combination of scenes and it was more about this connection between the two guys. Yes. And then it ended in this kind of Tarantino-esque action. Yes. Nice. That people sort of considered Tarantino. Yes. So a lot of people kind of lost the movie in a way. They like yeah. sort of didn't I quite get it. I need to watch it again. Mm. But the book is great because he wrote the book afterwards. So he, he hasn't just gone scene for scene this is the sort of the movie you remember in book form. He's gone into like all this backstory. And if you remember Leonardo DiCaprio, um, part of the movie is him going to be on this Western and he arrives on set and yes. acts the scene in the book. He basically like outlines the whole plot of this TV show. Just, just goes for it. Like no one, like who cares? That I'm, ta so I'm cool. Tarantino. And it's such an engaging story. So now you could then go and watch the movie again and appreciate yes. who he is as the bad guy because you now know the whole story where you don't know anything in the movie. The big, the big action plot of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when they break in yes. and the whole thing. That's Madison a, Murders. That's a page in this book. <laughs> wow. It's just a mention that, oh, this happened. But Wild. it's more about the backstory and yes. of, of um, Manson and what he wanted to be, um, and so the, and, and and it's more about their their friendship. It's it's great, wow, dude. And at one point he just talks about like because Cliff Booth, who's Brad Pitt's character, mm, loves cinema bad. and talks about cinema, and then he just goes in this indulgent full chapter just about like Kurosawa. <laughs> oh my god! Um, he was a famous um, <laughs> yes. Japanese director uh, yeah. for those who, who don't know. And for someone like myself who went to film school, who appreciated and watched these films, um, most famous of which is Seven's Seven Samurai and yeah. Yojimbo and all these Rashomon, kinds of yeah. Rashomon, these famous real film school films. I read this book. I was like, oh, my God, this book is for me. <laughs> yeah. He, he wrote this book for me. I'm worried. And it's lovely. And it's just it's so I, I just wanted to say that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the book is great. Mm. I never would have expected that. It's really yeah. interesting that you say this because um, on screenwriting TikTok, right? Um, just like that little hashtag algorithm. Okay. Um, they, it's kind of annoying, but they just post Tarantino interviews. I'm like, there are other screenwriters, guys. Come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> but I've been watching quite a few interviews where he said that in order to prepare actors for roles, he will just write an entire piece of prose mm. about backstory. Mm. That. The audience is never meant to see. You're not meant to see that at all. You will never see it, is what he said. Yeah. Like, DiCaprio gets to see it, and that's how he sold DiCaprio on being in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Right. So there was the script. And he probably used so much of that in the book. He was probably like, exactly. I have a book. 
That is so cool. So he yeah. finally, he, he does this for all his characters whenever he writes in the films yeah. just to give it to the actors so they have something to work with to understand this character's backstory. Nice. Then the audience don't get to see it. Now, obviously, he's made the shift towards yeah. being a freaking novelist. Yeah. yeah. I think he's just like, I can do it. So it's lovely. Interesting. It's totally I'm reading it. It's totally, I've got a copy. I've finished it. I'll give it okay, to you. Did yeah. Thanks. We, we sell it here in the shop. Okay. Oh, right. At the buyer's code. And I've always... I haven't had the time to read it. Mm. And so I'm always like, yeah, it's great. It's like it's it's like the novel version. It came afterwards. So he goes into more detail. Like that's all I knew. Yes. But having kind of read it from start to finish, I'm like, this is great. It's yeah. lovely. Amazing. Nice. Um, there's still lots more to talk about, but I think we uh, will probably save that for the next one. Um, yeah. One thing I thought I'd just mention now in terms of podcasts, I discovered Desert Island Discs. Okay. Um, which is lovely. I think okay. it's been going for ages. I think it's like a huge podcast. It's a BBC thing where they um, talk to famous or interesting people and they say, if you were to be stranded on a desert, desert island, what eight songs would you take? Oh, and they okay. tell a story behind each one. It's oh, cool. Yeah, it's just cool. You get to um, get into sort of like quite an intimate, personal discussion with people where they say mm. like, you know, this was the song that epitomizes this or this happened in this moment and the song played. And, cool. And it's always interesting That's when, a great idea. when you've yeah. got like someone like Baz Luhrmann, you know, who I didn't know grew up in a tiny little desert town in Australia. So he was like, yes. I know this desert island. I've been on it. <laughs> yes. It was my childhood, <laughs> you know. So it's lovely. It's called Desert Island Discs. So yeah. Cool. Interesting. Magic. Okay, chaps. Good. Nice. Um, so we are going to watch The Fablemans yeah. yes. Ideally on a big screen yes. What is the other big screen one that we see? Babylon Babylon mm. Which is all this month Yeah, it's all, it's all out at the moment okay. Babylon, I think Babylon's not out yet But it's coming Fablemans is definitely out yeah. on cinemas it now It came out 30th And, um, and uh, Babylon's coming at the end of this month okay. Okay. It's like the 20th or something Okay. Yeah. Magic, cool guys Lovely See you cool. soon Bye all right, what a lovely chat. Thanks for listening. My name is Russell Grant. Today on the show, I was having a fat chat with Cole Matthews and Graham Hackney. And uh, welcome to the Cash Up. This is our part of the show where we reconcile and uh, check the till and make sure everything is in order before we turn off the lights and go home. The two big points of order. The first is the fellow who acts in The Recruit. His name, his name is Noah Centineo. Centineo. Um, so yeah, great talented dude. Lovely to talk about his career and, and his evolution. The second most important thing is what a banshee is. Um, Cole is a very smart dude. I very much admire his brain, but he got it wrong uh, twice, unfortunately. Um, it is Irish folklore. And it is effectively a woman, an, an old woman um, who sits on a mound and uh, shrieks the impending doom of uh, a family member passing away, heralding the, the coming of a, of a death. And, and the way she uh, heralds this or, or um, communicates this is a very loud shriek or a scream. So that's where the term screaming like a banshee comes from so yeah we learned um something new today so <laughs> that's cool um if you want to share the love uh, we are the video store.co.za thank you for chiming in please feel free to message us and comment on on both the facebook group and the instagram page what kind of stuff we could be chatting about if there's something we're, we're not talking about which we should and uh, and what you think of the episode all right, uh, we've got some lovely stuff coming up. It's very exciting to share uh, more guest episodes coming up. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right, we will see you again next week. Cheers.